You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. To help us spread the gospel of Jesus, give us a five-star rating. That'll help others find this podcast. In this podcast, we're diving into the book of Revelations with Lynn Cleland. Somebody say mercy seat. Mercy Mercy seat. seat. Come on, church. Mercy seat. Listen, uh, I'm really humbled. I've, uh, I've heard comments just like pastor just made and it humbles me, but I want to tell you church, the truth, the power, what you're liking is the word of God. It's, it's not Lynn Cleland. It is the word of God. Uh, I had no idea this morning that pastor was going to preach on what he preached on and it fell right in line with what I'm going to talk about opening tonight. He talked this morning about going the Great Commission, going into all the world and teaching and preaching the gospel. And Jesus said, don't worry, don't be afraid because lo, I'll be with you always. All we have to do is, as I've said this before, is deliver the mail. The power's in the word. It's not in what we're saying necessarily. It's us as a vessel, a servant to be willing to give the word to somebody else. And then that power takes over and takes over in that person's life. It's not what we're saying necessarily, but it's the power of the word. Uh, If you would, I hate to make you stand back up. If you can stand to your feet as we show reverence and respect to the reading of the word tonight. Matthew, the 24th chapter and verse 14. And this is the part I felt like it went in line with what pastor talked about this morning. And remember church, the church as we've studied already is gone. The seven churches that we talked about, they're gone. They've been raptured. So we still have an opportunity. That's important. I want you to think about, I want you to let that resonate in you. We still have an opportunity to preach and teach the word. The, The world needs this. More than ever, it needs this. The church hasn't left yet. We haven't been raptured. So we still have an opportunity. Take advantage of that opportunity. Matthew 24, 14. And this, the gospel of the kingdom, shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end shall come. Father God, I thank you, God, so much, Father, for the word that I just spoke about, Father. I I thank you, God, for the message our pastor gave us this morning, Father. I know, Father, that that validated what I'm speaking about tonight, Father, as we open up chapter 7, Lord. Lord, help us to be willing vessels in your kingdom, God. Help us to be those individuals, Father, that when we hear, Father, we just don't keep it within ourselves, that we take it and disseminate it to somebody else, Father. And just like Pastor said, Father, it can be something simple. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, Father, because the power is in you, God, not in us. God, I pray that you hide me behind your cross tonight, Father. I help you. I ask you, Father, to help me remember everything that I've prepared, God. And I present it in such a way, God, that people understand it. And Father, only the way that you want it presented, Father. I want nothing else. If it's not from you, Father, I do not want to speak that word. And we pray that through your son Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, We've talked already about John's vision that he saw of Jesus, his spiritual vision, his deity. And we talked about how John described him in the first chapter. Then second, third chapter, we talked about the seven churches. Now the seven churches aren't talked about anymore. And they won't be talked about anymore throughout the book of Revelation. And then we started in chapter four and John gets a vision of heaven. God takes him up. He pulls him out and I think is, is a, 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 a picture of the rapture, if you will, when John is taking up to heaven. And he gets to see the, the heavenly realm. He gets to see the throne of God. He gets to see the four beasts around the throne and the 24 elders. And all they're doing when he, when he goes up there is just praising the Lord and giving him praise and honor and glory. And you're worthy, O oh God, and you're worthy. And, and that's all we see. And then when we get to chapter six, we see the beginning of the seven years of tribulation. And that would be, when we go to Daniel 9, that would be Daniel's 70th week 
or the last week of Daniel chapter nine. And the seven years is gonna be split up into two separate portions. The first half is three and a half, the second half, three and a half. The first half, the judgments won't be quite as severe as the second half. And what you're gonna see, church, is a progression of the judgments. And the reason God is doing this is for two reasons. When his son came the first time, if you remember, he came as a lamb, a sacrificial lamb to shed his blood for our sins. So now that blood stands between us and his father, God. So when we accept him, when we become believers, that blood washes away our sins and makes us acceptable unto God the father. Those who do not believe are going to go through this tribulation period. And so God will bring judgment on the unbelievers. And during this judgment period, people will be saved. And that's why it's important for us as Christians to talk to others. Whether you know this or not, church, when we are raptured, when the church gets taken out of this world, they will remember what you spoke to them. And, what, and the other thing that you want to do is you want to have your Bible left in the house with notes in it. I've got notes. Ask Melissa. I've got tablets. They're laying everywhere. They've got notes written. I hope somebody breaks in my house and they start reading all that stuff. They're going to say, man, this guy, he was into it. This is helping me. That, that's what we want to be as Christians. We want to be a light. We want to be that salt of the earth to those who are unbelievers. So God, Jesus now is coming back as the lion from the tribe of Judah. He's no longer that lamb that was sacrificed for our sins. Now he's a lion. And that lion is gonna be the judge of the world. Everybody following me here. So he's gonna bring judgment on the unbelievers in hopes that the unbelievers will now turn to him because of the judgment. And God's done that throughout the whole Bible. He's brought judgment on mankind in hopes that it will turn them around and cause them to repent, okay? So let's start with chapter seven. Chapter seven is what is called a parenthetical chapter, parentheses around it. It's kind of dropped in the middle of the book of Revelation, and we'll have some more of those type of chapters. Chapter 12 will be a, a parenthetical chapter. It's, it's a pause, if you will, in God's judgment, and there's an explanation that's going to take place as a result of that. So let's start with chapter 7. And after these things, what things, John? After what things? After the judgments we've already talked about so far. I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, north, south, east, and west holding the four winds of the earth. I just learned this. This is so cool. NASA has, has found out that there's actually four corners in the world that have the winds on the earth. There's actually four corners and they draw it out on a map. So again, the Bible proves itself. NASA probably just found this out maybe 20, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. God's known it forever. It's, it's, it's so neat the way the Bible explains itself. So they're holding back the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. There's a pause getting ready to take place. Why are we having this pause? John says, I saw another angel, verse two, ascending from the east. So we have another angel having the seal of the living God. I think this is one of the archangels, probably Michael. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. He's telling them to hold on a second, saying, hurt not the earth, nor the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Don't ask me what that seal is. I don't know. And I don't know that anybody knows. I don't know what the seal is. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12, Reuben 12, Gad 12, Asher 12, Nephilim 12. Of the tribe of Manasseh, there were 12,000. Tribe of Simeon 12. 
Levi, 12,000, Eshkar, 12,000, the tribe of Zebulon, 12,000, the tribe of Joseph were 12,000, and of the tribe of Benjamin were 12,000. 12 times 12, 144,000. I have read commentary and people have come up with so many different explanations as to who these 144,000 are. They're exactly what John says they are. 144,000 Jews that are sealed on the forehead by God. Now, why is God going to do this? After this, in verse 9, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, remember we talked about all that, and fell before the throne on their faces, faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. There's seven of those, by the way, church. Be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and whence they came from? Now, that's a rhetorical question. He knows the answer to that, but he's asking John. And John says unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which have come out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb of God, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So during the tribulation, there's going to be people that are martyred because they're going to be followers of Jesus. And this is exactly what John sees when he's in heaven with this vision. And the angel comes to him and tells him exactly what you're seeing. Who are all these people? And so they're the ones that have been martyred during this great tribulation. Now it says great tribulation right here. And we're getting ready to start in the next chapter, the great tribulation, the second three and a half years. The book of Revelation is not necessarily in chronological order. You need to understand that. We have parenthetical chapters like we're studying tonight in chapter seven. And then there'll be other parts of Revelation that are not necessarily in order in chronological order, but John will help you understand why they are where they are. So let's take a look at some, some points in chapter 7. Kind of went through this already. So as we see in chapter 7, nothing's moving, but God is getting ready to move. Here comes the merciful God yet again. Even in times of judgment, God is merciful. God has always said that he wishes no one should perish. No one. So even during this time, when he's bringing judgment on the earth, he's still going to be merciful. He's going to have this 144,000 Jews that have come to believe in Jesus as the Messiah during this tribulation that are going to all the earth to preach and teach the gospel of Christ. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a Messianic Jew, but they're powerful. They are powerful. If you can find a Jew that actually believes Jesus is the Messiah, they're very powerful preachers and teachers. So the previous judgments that we've already talked about, read about, those judgments will, will help people turn to God. It'll help them to believe in the message. I already said, it. I don't know what those seals are. I don't think anybody does. But this seal is going to protect this 144,000 through the tribulation. They, they will not be harmed until God is done doing what he's going to have done with this 144,000. Of the approximate, 
I just lost something here. Of the approximate 140 or 14 million Jews in the world today, uh, 144,000 of that 14 million is going to be marked, the Bible says, by God. The tribes of Dan and Ephraim, if, you're, if you've studied the Bible, they're not mentioned in this 12. And some have said the reason why those two tribes aren't mentioned is because those two tribes in the Old Testament led the nation of Israel into idolatry. So I believe through study that you can actually lose your rank, if you will, in God's kingdom. And so I think that's exactly what's happened to these two tribes. Now, some say this multitude of people that we see here that we've just read about, that's the church. It's not the church because John just explained to us who those individuals are. They are the individuals that have been saved through the tribulation, believers. So now we come to chapter 8. And if I can, what I want to do right here, this is the second half of the tribulation period the three and a half years of severe tribulation. I want just for 10 seconds, 10 seconds for everybody just to be quiet and not say anything. In chapter eight, Verse 1. It says, when he opened the seventh seal, this seventh seal is going to open the seven trumpets. It says, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. Severe judgment is getting ready to come up on the earth. Church, remember what we've talked about so far, all the praise and worship that's taking place in heaven? Now there's a half hour of complete silence. Nothing. No angel praise. No 24 elder praise. No four beasts praise. No saints of God praise. Nothing. A half hour just complete silence. God is reluctant to judge, but now judgment has come. Verse two, and I saw the seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Church, when you pray, your prayers just don't go any, nowhere. They go to the throne of God. And we're about to see what God's going to do with those prayers. Remember in the previous chapter where the saints had been martyred, they said to God, how long, God? How long before you avenge our souls? How long before you take vengeance upon those on the earth that have martyred us? Now we're here. He remembered those prayers and he's about to take those prayers that came up and cast them back down. Verse four, and the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints and ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it to the earth. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake. Every judgment that comes from heaven will receive a reaction from earth. Every judge, judgment that God passes to the earth will receive a reaction back. The earth will react to God's judgment. And the seven angels... Verse six, which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. These, these angels have been appointed at a specific time to bring God's judgment to earth. And now that judgment has come. Verse seven, the first angel sounded and there followed hell and fire mingled with blood. 
and they were cast upon the earth. And a third part of the trees were burned up and all the grass was burned up. Church, when these judgments start, it will be an ecological disaster here on earth. If you think the talk, I don't know if you believe it or not, of global warming's bad, that will be nothing compared to these judgments. And I want to say this. I think during this time period, man will come up with every excuse he can think of rather than obey and listen to what's in the word of God. He will make up excuses as to why he's seeing what they're seeing instead of just opening the book of God and seeing what God's doing to the earth. They'll make up every excuse. And you can see that now with global warming, whether you believe it or not. Verse eight, and the second angel sounded as this, as it were a great mountain burning with fire and it cast it into the sea and a third part of the sea became blood. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third part of the ships were destroyed. Verse 10, and the third angel sounds and there fell a great star from heaven. I, I believe it's just a big meteor, a large meteor, right? If it's a star, I don't believe it to be a star as we see the stars, because if it was, it would destroy the whole earth. I believe this to be a meteorite rain shower, if you will. A star from heaven burning as it were a lamp and fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of the water. And the name of the star is interesting. It's called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them were darkened. And the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. Energy, disaster. Verse 13, and I beheld an angel flying through the midst of the heavens, saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. The word yo, yo, woe, when it's used in the Bible, usually means it's a warning. Heads up, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees. You remember that language in the Bible? It's telling them, listen, there's something about to happen. So this is God's warning to mankind. The judgments when they take place, hopefully will persuade men to turn around and repent and believe in God. If they don't, they'll become more severe. God will bring even a more severe punishment on mankind for their disobedience. So as you see us progressing through these judgments, you'll notice that the judgments become even more and more severe as they come. So these seven trumpets will sound and then the seven trumpets will lead to the seven bowls or vials, which are even more violent than the seven trumpet trumpets. But this will be God's full intensity of judgment upon mankind. So I, I wrote here, if the plagues during the time of Moses were real, so will these plagues be real in Revelation. The silence that you heard at the beginning of the chapter is kind of the law before the storm, if you will. I kind of compare it to like a, a hurricane when a hurricane takes place. There's, there's judgment and then there's the calm. And then there's more judgment that comes along. So that's how I compare these judgments that God's bringing with these seven trumpets. So the pause that we've seen here in chapters seven is the pause for mercy. It's a chance for people to be repentful to God, to hear the word again. God's going to be merciful enough, even during these judgments, to preach the word in hopes that people will repent and not lose their souls through this judgment period. The trumpets here, they signify the calling of the assembly and the starting of the procession, exactly the way they were used in the Old Testament. I alluded to this earlier in Revelation 6.10, when the saints that were martyred said, O oh Lord, please avenge us. 
The thunder in this uh, verse represents the coming storm of God's judgment. The voices that we're hearing are not the natural occurrence that you might recognize, but they're God's direction. The, 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 the voices that we're hearing in these verses is actually God's direction to these angels. The earthquakes will be severe pressure on the earth during this judgment period. As I mentioned earlier, it'll be an ecological disaster. When his judgment begins, we see that there's one third of the living plants die from fire. Water used during the first to destroy the earth now will be purified with fire. The sea is next. It occupies most of the earth's surface. One third of our drinking water will be polluted and contaminated. <clears throat> so the star wormwood that the Bible mentions here in this verse, in the Old Testament, wormwood represented idolatry and injustice. So I think this star, when it says wormwood, that's God's judgment on man for idolatry. I'm not sure why my screen's jumping around, but <clears throat> chapter nine, let's go to chapter nine. If I back up to that verse 13 in chapter eight, it says, I heard an angel flying. I think some translations, some of your translations says an eagle flying. Uh, it could be the eagle that was mentioned in the four beasts. If you remember that, one of the four beasts had the face of an eagle. It could represent that. But I made in my notes, if God can make a parrot talk, he can make an eagle talk. So chapter 9, verse 1. Now remember, church, when we read these judgments, we're looking at images that God or that John's trying to explain to us what they look like. Some of these images are demonic images. They are images we have not seen in our lifetime. So you remember that whenever we read through these, these verses. Some people try to explain it to mean this or that, and I'm just going to go by what John says. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven into the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Remember in the Old Testament, God uses locusts for judgment. And unto them was given power. And the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. Scorpions or locusts normally eat green things. But here it says, they're not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Remember the 144,000 sealed previously. These individuals are not going to have the seals on their forehead. And to them it was given that they should not kill them. Later we're going to see that the power is going to be given to the forces to kill mankind, but that they, they have should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Oddly enough, I, I looked into the lifespan of a locust, and a locust's lifespan is five months. Interesting. And in those days shall men seek death and not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared into battle. And on their heads, as it were, crowns like gold. So this crown of gold is the same crown that is on the white horse rider that we read about in chapter 6. It's not a victor's crown that Jesus wears later in Revelation when he rides the white horse. It's a conquering crown. So these locusts are bent, bent on conquest. Their job is to go out and conquer the men that they're seeking. 
Verse 7, And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared into battle, and their heads were crowns of gold, and their faces were like the faces of men, which I believe there means intelligence. They have intelligence. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were the teeth of lions. Listen, I don't want to see these things, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. The hair there of women, uh, as, as I study that, I believe there's going to be a form of attractiveness, if you will, as, as oddly as these things are described, they're also going to have an attraction to attract man, and then they're going to attack the men as a result. It's the only thing I could come up with there. And they had teeth of lions. They had breastplates as if it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. Remember I alluded to church where the Holy Spirit, the restrainer, when the church goes out in the rapture, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit indwells in us as Christians, it will go with them. God is in a sense saying during these judgments, hey, listen, man, you've wanted it your way for this many years, have it your way. I'm going to take that protection out of the world and Satan is going to have his way with mankind. Because that's exactly what Satan really wants anyhow. He wants to be like God. That's why he was kicked out of heaven to begin with. He wants to be God. He wants to be worshipped like God. And everything that we see in this book of Revelation, he mimics God. He has a crown. He has a white horse. And he'll have the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He'll have the same. It'll be Satan, the false prophet, okay? So in the Antichrist, so he'll have that Trinity as well. So he's trying to mimic everything that God does the same way. He wants to be God. And eventually he'll set himself up in the temple and ask to be worshiped just like God. Okay, let's finish this chapter. I wanted to throw that in there because what you're starting to see are the demonic forces being released from hell on mankind. This is punishment on man's sinfulness. And they had a king over them in verse 11, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. I wonder who that is, whose name in Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue has his name Apollyon. And one woe is passed, and behold, there comes two more woes hereafter. Now the sixth trumpet, in verse 13. The sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden, golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which has the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great Euphrates River. That's key. Loose the four angels. Angels... Heavenly, God's angels are never bound. These four angels are bound because they're angels of Satan's. But God has them bound. And he's kept them bound until this appointed time. And he's going to release them. And the four angels, in verse 15, were loosed. And they were prepared for an exact amount of time, church, an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay a third part of men. And the number of the army of horsemen were 200,000 thousand. I heard the number of them. That's 200 million. Now, some translate that to mean that's the kings, that's the army of the kings of the east. I do not believe that which is found in chapter 16. 200 million is a lot of army. And it would take a combination of a lot of different countries to even come up with that number. And it would have to be men and women. They would have to be fed, so on and so on. I believe, and I'm gonna uh, bring it up in my slides, I believe this is demonic forces. This number represents demonic forces being released out of the pit. In verse 17, and thus I saw the horses in the vision. Now we're moving from just being hurt, 
hurting man to killing man. These forces are going to kill men. And them that set on them, having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone and the head of horses that were the head of lions and out of their mouth issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was a third part of the men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouth. For their mouth, for the power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were likened to serpents and they had heads with them that do hurt. And the rest of the men, now listen to this church, listen to these last two verses. You want to talk about bullheaded, stubborn, I'm not going to believe under any circumstances, this is it right here. After all of these judgments, look what's going to happen in these last two verses. Verse 20, and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders nor their sorceries, which represents sorceries in the Greek word represents pharma, pharmaceutical, pharmacos. I'll have that in my notes. I think during this time period, drugs will be mega, they will be at an all-time high. People will resort to drugs, alcohol to withstand the judgments that are, they're, they're going through here. Nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Can we, church, not see that happening in our world today? A total rebellious man. No respect at all for each other. No love, no God. And after they go through these judgments, the Bible says right here, they'll still not repent. They will still not repent. Amazing. So chapter nine, the woe trumpets, these are the last three, they're the most intense. This will be, church, the darkest days in human history the darkest days. So this star that we just read about, it says that this star has intelligence. So we know it's just not a meteorite, just not a regular star. I believe, as, as I've alluded to, this is the star, this star represents Satan. And in Isaiah 14, 12, and Luke 10, 18, we see the story of where Satan, because of his rebellion against God, was removed out of heaven. God removed him out of heaven. His domain now is here. He's walking around seeking whom he may devour. He still has access to the throne of God, but later we'll see God's going to take that access away from him too. Remember at the beginning of Revelation where it said Jesus had the keys to hell and Hades and of death. Now, for some reason, God's going to give that key to Satan and say, go ahead, open the abyss. Let the judgment begin. The locusts here are literal. I believe they're a demonic force that's literal, but not like a normal locust because we know a locust to eat green things. These locusts, the Bible says, are not going to eat green things. Their whole purpose is to hurt man, to bring judgment on mankind. <clears throat> the fallen angels, as we read about in the Bible, they have rank just like heavenly angels. We have Michael and Gabriel, so do Satan's angels. He has rank within his angels. And again, as I said earlier, Satan tries to mimic everything God is. The last two trumpets, the woe trumpets, are even worse than what we've read about. <clears throat> The angel that is, is spoken about here, he receives his orders directly from Jesus Christ. The four horns that's spoken, spoken about here in uh, verse 13, chapter 9, these are the four horns on each corner of the golden altar of incense. It says those angels were bound at the Euphrates River. Now, some interesting things about the Euphrates River. Uh, they believe the Garden of Eden is, is near the, the uh, Euphrates River. 
The sin of man started there. The first murder was there. The first war was there. Flood started there. Tower of Babel was there. And now the final surge of sin during the Great Tribulation will be there. That was an interesting fact that I dug up. One third of the men have already been killed through these judgments, church. Already a fourth, that's a half of the earth's population, is going to be killed during these judgments. Remember in Matthew 24, Matthew 24 is that parallel chapter to Revelation. It's a very important chapter to study when you study end times because Jesus talks about the end times in 24. It parallels Revelation. Remember 24, 22, it says, For then there shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no now short shall never shall be. And except those days be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. I alluded to this earlier. I don't believe this 200 million that's mentioned here is the kings of the east that we're going to read about later. I believe these are demonic forces being released from the pits of hell. The horses represents, uh, as I talked, I think last week, they're animals for war. These will be hellish forces. It will make Sodom and Gomorrah, if I have written here, it'll make it look mild compared to what's taking place. And I talked about this, the sorceries in that last verse is the Greek word pharma, pharmakion, meaning pharmacy. And again, I think for man to be able to survive through this, drugs will be rampant. So let's go ahead with chapter 10. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon his head. And his face was if it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire. If his face was like sun, most likely he must have been in the presence of God. And he had in his hand a little book open. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now this is one of the most, this next verse, peculiar verses in Revelation. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. Now, we know that Jesus told John to unseal. He told Daniel to seal because it wasn't time, but he told John to unseal. So a very peculiar verse here where he tells John, don't write those words that those seven voices are uttering. They must have been understandable to John because John was about to write them down. But God says, don't write them. Now, what these seven voices represented that he tells John to seal them up, I don't know. I don't have a clue. I looked high and low through the whole Bible and I didn't find anything. I don't know why he told him to seal those up and not write them down. Verse 5. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swore by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are therein are and the earth and the things that are therein are and the sea and the things that are therein that they should be time no longer. Church, it's time. It's time. The millennial kingdom is about to start. The mystery that is spoken about in God's word is about to be revealed. Now we know by the prayer that Jesus told us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that's beginning to happen. So this angel is swearing. He's standing on the earth and the sea and he's swearing to the God of heaven taking an oath, it's time, it's time. Glory, hallelujah, it's time. But in the days of the voice, and here's the, here's the verse of the angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. 
as he hath declared to the servant, the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven, verse 8, spake unto me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel, and he said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey, but as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So some will say this angel that it starts out in verse 10 is, is Christ. And I can't find anywhere in the book of Revelation where Christ is identified as an angel. So I don't believe that he is the angel here. The little book, I think here, is the same book that we talked about when Christ takes the book, the seals, from God the Father. The reason here it's represented as the little book is because judgments have passed. A portion of that book has already transpired, so now the book is smaller. But when John takes it and eats it, he says it's bitter and it's sweet. And it would be bittersweet because the rest of that book contains more judgments. That would be the bitter part. But the sweet part is God's new Jerusalem, his heaven, marriage supper of the lamb. He has that part contained in the book. So that part is sweet for John to taste. And the Bible always refers to his eating or represented as eating the word of God to, to actually take the word of God and assimilate it so it can be within your body. And that's exactly what that's representing here. John is taking the smaller book because the, the book that was given to Jesus is now smaller. And when he eats it, there's still a little bit of judgment left, but there's also some good news left. And we're going to get to the good news. We've got to get through the bad news then we'll get to the good news. I just alluded to that. I have, I, church, if somebody can come up with the answer to that one, I'd be, be glad to hear it from you. The angel announces to, to John that there's not much left, time left in these judgments. Remember at the beginning of Revelation, we talked about much soon come to pass. That word soon, soon uh, is the Greek word takai, which means where we get our word tachometer. So a tachometer is when you put the foot on the gas, it starts going up. Well, that's exactly what's happening in these judgments. They're coming one right after the other. And now the angel is saying to John, John, this time is short now. There's not much time left in these judgments. I'm going to stop right there before I go to chapter 11. We're just about out of time. So next week we'll pick up with chapter 11 and now we're going to have two witnesses come onto the scene. We've had 144,000 marked. Next week we have two witnesses that it's revealed by God. Very interesting. Anybody have any questions? Got one back here. Now, what's going to happen to the United States when all this happens? That's a good question. I'd say, Ray, not being uh, smart aleck or anything, ask God, because I, I don't know. The, the Bible doesn't say anything about our country uh, during the end times. It speaks of a lot of other countries during end times. Uh, the kings of the East that I just spoke to you about, China, Russia's mentioned, Germany's mentioned, Syria's mentioned. Uh, Saudi Arabia is mentioned, but I, no mention of the United States. I, I don't know, right? Don't know. Oh, absolutely. So the, I think your comment was, we'll feel the effects of the judgment of God. Absolutely. Absolutely.
everybody in the world is going to feel the effects of these judgments. This is not just isolated over the nation of Israel or Jerusalem. Everybody will feel these. All the unbelievers that are left on the earth that are not taken in the rapture will feel this wrath, period. We got lots of questions tonight. How do you sleep at night? <laughs> you know, Edie, um, I, I, I'll just be honest with you. When, when God dealt with me about eight years ago on this, it was tough. And it still is. I, a pastor can attest to this. Karen, you can attest. There's times where I have just a, and Rita, I've talked to you, but a heavy heart. Melissa sees it. She sees it. When you understand, when you read this, in church, what I encourage you to do, and I was talking to Dave Bennett about this. Dave, I appreciate your words. What I, what I encourage you to do when we go through this book of Revelation, don't stop there. Remember I said the book of Revelation is all the 65 books dumping into there. Now take what's here and go back in God's word and put it all together and see what God, remember church, he told us the Old Testament was written for our learning. And what he really meant by that is don't make the same mistakes again. That's why the Old Testament's there. So when we go back to the Old Testament and we learn from what happened to them and how God dealt with them, we don't want to make those same mistakes. So when we come to the book of Revelation, these are the people that didn't listen to the New Testament. Don't make the same mistakes. I, Edie, I can't emphasize enough this is serious. I, I'm probably the biggest jokester in the church. I'm one of them, I know. I love, <laughs> pastor, I love to joke with people. I like to have fun. I like to tease. I like all that. But when I get to this, this is not fun. It's just, it's not. And I delayed for the longest time. I hate to dwell on this, but I delayed for the longest time until I came and talked to pastor about even doing this because it hurt. It hurt for me to stand in front of people and tell them what I think God gave me. It hurt. And, and I, when I watch things that I watch and the way the world's acting, I see all this. I see this. And, and I'll see an event and God will say, hey, Lynn, go back here. Right here it is. He'll take me right back here. Show me the word. He'll show me. It's, here it is. It authenticates it, and then it makes me stronger, makes me want to do it more, makes me want to tell more people. It, it is tough, though. But church, take it serious. This is, if, it's, if it's in the Word of God, I guarantee you it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Somebody else had their hand up. I just wonder if there's any, I know that it might be subtle, but is there any particular trigger that we could possibly look for uh, leading up to the days of the rapture? Like perhaps like is the war of Gog of Magog, is that before, after the rapture? Like, or is it right in the middle there? Or like Damascus or, you know, being destroyed in a day? Like, is there anything that, okay, that could trigger us to say, okay, it's not only close, it's right here. So I, I sort of talked about this, maybe I think it was last week. There's nothing church that has to happen before the rapture. Nothing. It, it could happen before I sit down over there. There's nothing. There's, and Holly, I don't believe there's anything, any sign or anything. We can see the signs of the love of the world waxing cold. We can see things like that. But as far as a sign before the rapture, God doesn't give it. Jesus said that even he doesn't know. So if he doesn't know, I ain't standing in front of you saying I know because there is no sign. Now, I do believe, as I talked to you last week or the week before, that Jesus said that we will see the birth pangs of the tribulation period, those signs, because he said we would. 
So I do believe that. I believe that we in the world that we're living in today see the birth pains, signs associated with the tribulation period. I do believe that, but not, not the rapture. Anybody else? I'm encouraged by seeing everybody here tonight. This is awesome. This is awesome. I was just thinking about Ray's question and your response. What, you know, where is the United States? And I don't know that we necessarily have to be mentioned specifically in Scripture. It's just all those who have not received Jesus Christ will receive the coming judgment. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, where I see the United States is, I see the United States as a country that uh, we should be followers of Christ. And we should be, as Pastor alluded to, preaching the Word and teaching the Word. That's where I see the United States. So, did somebody back here have their hand up? All the way in the back. I'm going to get my exercise tonight. I just wanted to make a comment about it. In my notes, I found that uh, in chapter 10, where he's talking about wormwood, in Russian, that means Chernobyl. So, we know what happened there. I did read that, Rodney. You're right. The word wormwood. Oh, I can't get through there. It's God's desire that all men should be saved. And I know in this church, he continually gives, um, the pastor gives many people a chance to repent and be saved. Even up to the end of chapter 10, they're saying, you know, to go back out, prophesy into the nations. You know, and we keep coming before, just as in the Old Testament, and constantly sound, God's given warnings, warnings. Why is the church today not sounding warnings? There are too many churches that won't even read the book of Revelations, and it breaks my heart. I I totally agree with that comment. Um, It was one of the reasons why I started my study in Revelation because, as I told you when I first started this, I was embarrassed when somebody said, how about a Bible study on Revelation? And I didn't know a thing about it. Didn't know a thing about it. And everything that I did know was things that somebody had said to me. And when I started looking into them, it just didn't make any sense. It didn't make sense. So I said, God, you tell me what you meant by that last book. But I do think it's sad that the churches, most churches don't talk about this book. And it's probably one of the most important books in God's word. Probably one of the most important. If you don't study this book, it's hard to understand the 65 books prior to it. It really is. It makes complete sense when you study this book. Thank you. Regarding Ray's question about the United States, we have to keep in mind that the that uh, Daniel chapter seven, twelve, and how it relates back to Revelation. Uh, what is what is the metamorphosis or the changes that it, that because of the United Nations, the European Union? Uh, the uh, Daniel's dream. Uh, what's all that mean? Well, there's uh, some uh, what of a confederation of joint people joining the uh, one world government, which is uh, uh, our current president is trying to fight that right now. If you look at Ezra seven, or, or uh, a chapter, I think it's chapter seven, or no, Ezra verse uh, chapter one verse three, you'll talk about Cyrus. Two presidents have been. Uh, deemed as uh, like life uh, representations of Cyrus. One was Harry S. Truman ushering uh, on the death of President Roosevelt and becoming president uh, the the current state of Israel. Wouldn't have happened without him. And Donald Trump is doing everything to proclaim nationalism as composed to one world order. Look at the, the 
this, the image is a lot the same, but it has changed in some, because you have Great Britain, which is the lion. That's the representation of the lion. And on the lion's back, you have the eagle's wings. The wings represent the United States. But somewhere in there, the eagle's wings are plucked off the lion, which means that we will stand in, in uh, support of Israel all the way through. That doesn't mean we're not going to get judgment because we've already had judgment starting with 9-11 when he tore down the veil. But uh, so, so that, that is the answer to that question. And then uh, if you'll, uh, once the peace agreement is established, that could go on for a long period of time. We don't know. But eventually it will happen. And, when the, and as I said in, in the earlier session, that will be the beginning of the final seven-year period. What we look for after that, if people are inconclusive or have questions about whether or not that's taking place, watch for the rebuilding of the temple. That happens in the first three and a half years. And then when all hell breaks loose is at the abomination of desolation, at the midpoint where the Antichrist proclaims himself as Christ. Then those people that are in occupied territories right now that uh, 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 that is the Israel who who still believe that was when they brought the '67 war won it, and uh, because right now under uh, UN Resolution uh, 2334, which the U United Nations had declared Israel as being uh, against this resolution because they feel that they've inhabited those territories uh, illegally. So therefore, they have an illegal possession that is now against Resolution 2334. They haven't, which means that the United Nations has the legal authority to come in with their army, take captive and hostage those people of Israel who are in violation of that act. Obama sought support to continue to drive the nation into that heart with Resolution 2334. But you have to go on with that. So, so, the United, so then the United States has a part and a role to play in the end time events. You have a confederation that's going on. A lot of these, like the Medes and the Persians and and, uh, and, and at the end, the re 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 revival of the Holy Roman Empire, which is nothing more than the European Union. But I could go on and on. It's a quite a lengthy thing, but I wanted to respond to that. Anybody else? Okay. I'm going to make this the last question, if I can. I think I didn't see any other hands. Okay. So for anybody that is trying their best to see things in the spirit, how much is it able that we are able to ignore the conditioning between no mask, no service, and no mark, no service? So we would be foolish to think that the enemy would not capitalize on a situation like this. Well, I was going to say that, but I didn't have to. So, Church, I've already talked about uh, his comments. Interesting. Um, the things that you see happening in our world today, how you can kind of parallel them, if you will, with what Revelation is talking about. And we'll talk more about that, the comment you just made. Um, but when I first started studying Revelation, there was a lot of things I didn't understand eight years ago that make more sense to me today than they did just eight years ago. So God reveals in his time. It may not be when you're studying it at that time, but he will reveal. And I let him reveal as he reveals. I don't push the, the issue or try to make things up or go against what's in the Bible. Just let God reveal what he wants you to know. 
Every head bowed and every eye closed, please. Father God, I thank you, God, for your word, Father. I thank you, Father, for the souls, Father, that are here tonight, God. And, and God, if there's somebody here tonight, God, that doesn't know you, Father, that is not accepted, Father, your son, Jesus, Father, I pray that they do that tonight, Father, before it's too late, Father. Father, we understand, Father, that your son is going to return, Father. We don't have signs, Father, when that's going to happen, Father. But if there be somebody here tonight, Father, that would like to accept your son, Jesus, Father, as their personal Lord and Savior, Father, I pray they do that tonight, that they approach one of us, Father, the pastor, or any of the pastors that are here tonight at church, myself, and, and ask them to, to pray with them, Father, to accept your son, Jesus, to ask for forgiveness of sins, Father. And Father, I pray that you go forward with us in this study of revelation, God, that you reveal only those things, God, as I said, that you want us to understand in the way you want us to understand it. And I pray it through your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. 